Greetings and welcome to the Mount Calvary Nation podcast hosted by Mount Calvary Baptist Church in Dayton, Ohio, where our pastor is the Reverend S.N. Winston Jr. We thank you for joining us and hope that this episode blesses you. Magnify our mighty God, who is the King of glory? He's the Lord strong and mighty. Who is this King of glory? He's the Lord mighty in battle. Come on and give our mighty God praise. We lift up your name, God. We lift your name, God. We magnify your name. Come on, let's say it together. Come on. Lord, you're mine. 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 Lord, you're mine.
have indeed come to lift the name of Jesus higher. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be God who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. And not only that, but he has seated us in those heavenly places in close proximity to those spiritual blessings. We are so grateful to God that he has given us another opportunity to be together, if only virtually. We thank God for the technology that supports this, for the teams of people who make this possible. We are grateful to God that he has allowed us another opportunity to come together. Let us pray as we get ready to go into our study of the Word of God. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for life. We thank you for a reasonable portion of health and strength. Thank you, Father, for keeping us even in the midst of this pandemic. We give you praise most of all for saving us. Thank you for Jesus dying on the cross, taking our sins on him, and giving us his righteousness. Thank you, Lord for this opportunity to be together with the saints. Speak to our hearts, Father. We will listen and obey. In Jesus' name we pray now, and we thank you. Amen. Amen. God bless you. We're going to get right into our study. We're going to Acts chapter 9. Today, Acts chapter 9. Reading from the New International Version of Holy Scripture, we're going to begin reading at verse 32, I believe I gave them. It will be on your screen at verse 36. Thank you. And here is how it reads. In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha. In Greek, her name is Dorcas. She was always doing good and helping the poor. About that time, she became sick and died, and her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Lydda was near Joppa, so when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydda, they sent two men to him and urged him, please come at once. Peter went with them, and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. All the widows stood around him crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was with them. Peter sent them all out of the room, and then he got down on his knees and prayed. Turning toward the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes. And seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. Then he called for the believers, especially the widows, and presented her to them alive. This became known all over Joppa, and many people believed in the Lord. Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with a tanner named Simon, verses 36 through 43 of Acts chapter 9. 
Just by way of reminder, we are slow walking through the book of Acts. Luke's history book of the Acts of the Apostles, really it could be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the Apostles in the early church. Because he starts off where the gospel leaves off with Jesus promising that the Holy Spirit would come and dwell with them, dwell in them. You shall receive power, Acts 1.8 promises. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. And then we saw over in chapter 2 what many call the birthday of the church that day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit fell on all who were gathered there in the upper room and they began speaking with other tongues as the Spirit moved them and they each heard in his or her own language they each heard each other and they understood each other talking about the goodness of God and thus the church the called out ones the gathering of believers the ecclesia was born. And when we left off last time, we were becoming familiar with Saul. You remember Saul? When Deacon Stephen was killed, Saul was the one who was standing there consenting to everything that was going on and holding the coats of the ones who were stoning the good deacon. But in chapter 9, the Lord confronts Saul while he is on his way to Damascus to wreak even more havoc in the church. He is going to persecute these Christians, but on his way, long story short, he gets saved because the Lord has a plan for Saul. But in today's reading, Dr. Luke turns his attention back to Peter. Peter, that bold, sometimes impetuous apostle the one who, when they were out on the lake and got scared when that storm arose and they saw something walking on the water towards them, it was Peter. Peter is the one who said, Lord, if it's really you, let me come to you on the water. He is the only one of the disciples to get out of the safety of the boat and even attempt to walk on water. Peter the one who was bold enough to answer Jesus' question when he asked, whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? In fact, who do you say that I am? It was Peter who gave the answer, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Peter, who tried to correct Jesus when he was talking about his impending death and Jesus had to tell him, get thee behind me, Satan. Peter, whom Jesus tried to warn. Listen, Peter, you're going to deny me several times while I'm going through this trial. As a matter of fact, Satan has desired to sift you like wheat. But I've already prayed for you that your faith won't fail during this sifting. And when you turn back, when you come back to yourself, when you come to your right mind, strengthen your brothers. And that's really exactly what's been going on since the resurrection. Peter has used every opportunity he can to strengthen his brethren. 
You remember when the Holy Ghost fell on the day of Pentecost and naysayers were saying that these people were drunk this early in the day and Peter is the one who stood up and said, these people are not drunk as you suppose. They are not filled with wine. They are filled with the Holy Ghost. And now Peter is traveling from place to place in his apostolic role. He is checking on the saints, checking on the church, affirming doctrine, proclaiming the good news. And the Bible says he came also down to the saints who lived in Lydda. Can I get off topic for just a minute? Let me just take a slight detour before we get into what we're really talking about today. Because there is something that I notice here that I want to point out, and it's this. The Bible says that Peter came down to the saints in Lydda. He came down to the saints, to the saved folk, to the called out people. The church is here called the saints. And one of the saddest myths in the body of Christ today is that we are not his saints. I often tell the story of a lady who came up to me after I had preached a sermon about being one of his saints and, and after she reeled me in with what a good sermon it was, uh, she went in for the kill. She said, I, I, I really loved your sermon. I just don't know about the part about us being saints. She said, I'm not a saint. And unfortunately, I believe that too many of us have bought into that lie. Listen, the word saints here just means holy ones, uh, the ones set apart, the ones called out. And listen, if the Bible calls us saints, then that's who we are. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry that we got hoodwinked into thinking that saints were some special group of people canonized by the Catholic Church for their good deeds and good work. I'm sorry that we think all the saints are dead. I'm sorry that we believe that saints are Italian-looking angelic beings on stained glass windows. Can I let you in on a secret? If you really want to see a saint in glass, then you better look in a mirror because if you are saved, you are one of his saints. Jesus already paid the price so we could be his saints. He took our sin and gave us his righteousness. You're one of his saints. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. I honestly believe that we would live better if we stop calling ourselves sinners, stop calling ourselves filthy rags, and start calling ourselves what the Bible calls us saints. That's just a little detour. Let me get on back. Peter goes down to the saints who lived in Lydda, and there he comes across a man who has been sick and in his bed for eight years. And Peter says to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Now get up make your bed up and the Bible says immediately he got up now this is not our resting place today but if you'll allow me to take just another short detour uh, get off track one more time I believe there's a word in that story for somebody right now because sometimes while make no mistake it's the Lord Jesus who heals you but sometimes brothers and sisters you have to participate in your own healing 
Let me show you real quick. Uh, Peter looks at Aeneas and says boldly, Jesus Christ makes you whole. Jesus Christ heals you. Jesus Christ takes care of what ails you. Jesus works the miracle in your body, but there's something you have to do. You have to get up and make up your own bed. Now, Jesus is the one giving you the wherewithal to do what you need to do, but you have to do it. Jesus heals you, Aeneas, but he's not going to get you up, and he's not going to roll up your pallet. Jesus heals you, but you have to do something with that healing. Get up, roll up your mat. If you're going to walk in your healing, quit living like you're lame. Get up and make your bed. If you're going to live a new life, quit living in your old space. Get up and make up your bed. Jesus has healed you, but you got to get up and get moving. Let's get back to the story. Let's, let's continue. The Bible says everybody saw the healed man and they turned to the Lord. And then Luke introduces us to a woman in Joppa, uh, a woman named Tabitha, Dorcas in the Greek. And they're really, that, that, that's really where I want to stay for a little bit today on our way to the Lord's table because it is here that Peter is used by the Lord to perform another miracle. It is here that Peter is used by the Lord to bring life into a dead circumstance. And the apostle Peter in this story is just an example to all who call on the name of the Lord Jesus an example of power in dead situations and that's what we're going to talk about today that's what I want to preach from today power in dead situations and here's what I'm coming to learn we all at some point face some dead situations some situations that, that they don't just look dead, they're dead dead. I mean, that, that some situations when it seems like it's too late for anything to be done about it. We all face some dead situations when, when what used to be useful gets sick and dies. We all face some dead situations what, when what used to bring so much joy now brings only grief and pain. All of us face dead situations when what used to be thriving now lies lifeless before you. I want to offer, this passage offers some insight into power in dead situations. You see, here's what's going on. In Joppa, this, this woman, Tabitha, uh, she was a woman full of good works. The Bible says she was always doing good works, always doing acts of charity. But at the same time that Peter was over in Lydda, uh, a few miles away, Tabitha became sick and she died. And so they washed her up and laid her out in a room upstairs. But thank God somebody who was close to her uh, had heard that there was a man close by who had had some power and although Tabitha lay there dead right now it was not necessarily the end of her story so they sent a couple guys over to Lida 
uh, to this man of God and said, please come quickly. And the Bible says Peter got up and went with them. And when he came to the place, they took him upstairs. And apparently some of the people that she had helped, uh, some of the widows for whom she had made coats and clothes, began to show Peter some of Tabak. Tabitha's work and Peter entering this dead situation finding death when he comes into that upper room. Peter in the midst of what looks like death, what smells like death, what sounds like death shows us three action steps to take when we find ourselves confronted by dead situations. Here's the first one. The first lesson here is a lesson about privacy. That's number one. The power of privacy. When Peter enters the room, the Bible says all the widows approached him. So scholars tell us there are likely several people in this little room. The ones who loved Tabitha enough to go five to ten miles to get Peter and then bring him back and take him up to the room where she lay. The widows who are there weeping and showing him the robes and the clothes she made for them. And then I wonder if some of Tabitha's family was in there too. Here's the point. However many people are in that upper room, however well-meaning they may be, however close they are to the deceased, whatever right they have to be there, the very first thing that Peter does is sends them all out of the room. Because whatever is about to happen demands some privacy. There isn't about to be a spectacle here. And my brothers and sisters, I want to offer to you that there are some situations in our lives, some dead circumstances, some dreadful realities, some difficult places that will demand that you dismiss some people from your space. Now I know, I know, I know that God has performed some other miracles where there are just plenty of people just hanging around. But in this particular case and in some particular cases in our lives, there are just too many people in the mix. And it doesn't really matter how well-meaning they are. It doesn't really matter uh, how what kind of relationship we're in with them. It doesn't really matter that they have a right to be there. There are times, there are certain miracles where everybody needs to go. Sometimes there are too many voices. Sometimes there are too many opinions. Sometimes there are too many ears. Sometimes there are too many eyes. Sometimes there are some, listen, sometimes people just need to see the end result. And I came today as a prophet of God to tell you there may be some people that you just need to dismiss until the Lord does whatever he's going to do in that situation. You might have to tell them, I'm so sorry, I don't mean any harm, but I need some time alone. Just me, this dead thing and God. I love you but leave me alone till God works this out. I know you mean well. Thank you for your advice. Thank you for your opinion. Thank you for your presence. But I'm going to need you to stop talking so I can hear God. I'm going to need you to leave so God can fix this. Sometimes there are just too many people in your space and you need some privacy. 
Some miracles require privacy. I'm not making this up. I know I'm in the word. The prophet Elisha, uh, he told the widow, go borrow some empty jars uh, from your neighbors and after you get them, here's what you do. Go in, you and your sons, go in your house and shut the door behind you and start pouring. And that's what she did. She went and got some jars, start, uh, shut the door, start pouring. And, and they kept bringing her jars and she kept pouring until the oil stopped flowing. I'm in the word. Um, you remember the Shunammite woman's son? When he died, she went to get Elisha. And when Elisha reached the house, the boy was lying dead on his bed. And the Bible says Elisha went in and shut the door on the two of them. Kicked everybody else out. I'm in the word. Uh, when Jesus went to heal Jairus' daughter, the Bible says he kicked everybody out except Peter, James, John, and uh, Jairus and his wife. Then over in Matthew, Jesus says this, when you pray, go into your inner room and shut your door and pray to your father who is unseen and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you openly. Some miracles require privacy. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but somewhere in between crucifixion night and early Sunday morning in a cold, dark grave behind a great big stone, God woke Jesus up in private. I don't know if anybody's there in your living room with you, if anybody's there in your kitchen, in your car, wherever you're watching this right now, but would you say to somebody, you may need some privacy. Ah, but there is another principle here. I'm almost done. Not only does Peter employ privacy, but number two, he, he gives us the power of prayer. The power of privacy, but then the power of prayer. It's in the text. First, he put everybody out and then he knelt down and prayed. Now, we don't know what he said, but we know he prayed. We don't know how long he prayed, but he prayed. We don't know how loud he prayed, in what language he prayed, or what type of prayer he prayed. Apparently, the Holy Ghost didn't think it was pertinent to this lesson to give us those details. But we do know one thing about his prayer. We know the posture of his prayer. The Holy Ghost instructed Dr. Luke to make sure that we know that he kneeled in prayer. It was a posture of submission in prayer. It was a posture of humility in prayer. In direct contrast to many of the arrogant prayers that we pray today, this man of God got on his knees not to tell God what to do but to line his own will up with the will of the Father. His kneeling in prayer is an implication that he is bowing his will, his desires, his wishes to those of the Father. He is not trying to inform God because God already knows. He's not trying to instruct God because God is God and he doesn't need human instruction. His kneeling signifies not my will but yours be done. Please catch what's going on here because I'm afraid that if this were in 2020, first of all, Archbishop Reverend Dr. Peter, the presiding prelate, 
and the president, the, the, the chief apostle and grand poobah would have had his public relations team to call all the media together and would have posted it on Facebook and Twitter and would have gone in there slinging oil and telling God what to do and making a big show. But this man of God with real Holy Ghost power dismisses all the spectators and then gets on his knees in humble submission and prays may offer that there are some dead situations there are some difficult circumstances that will require our humble submission through prayer there are some miracles that require us to humble ourselves in prayer not to bark orders at God but to get on our faces and get orders from him not to give him direction but to get our direction not to command him but to come up under his mighty hand to say like Shadrach Meshach and Abednego he may not deliver but I know he's able one of the hardest things to do as a Christian of faith is to submit in prayer not to pray but to submit in prayer. I was having a conversation with somebody this week uh, about, uh, about the difficulty in praying but knowing that God is still God and has the right to answer my prayer like he wants to. Let me just be real transparent. At the beginning of this pandemic, I know it got twisted a little bit. There were some people who said I prophesied that nobody in Mount Calvary would get COVID. That is not true. That is not true. That is not true. I didn't prophesy that nobody in Mount Calvary would get COVID. What I said was I asked God to protect everybody in Mount Calvary from COVID. But you know what? He didn't. There are some people, some saints that I love who've had COVID in this church and who went home to be with the Lord but it doesn't make God less God and it doesn't make him any less of an answerer of prayer but in submission in prayer you say God this is what my heart desires nevertheless not my will but yours be done we have to submit ourselves in prayer and when Peter gets up from his knees he knew what the Lord wanted to do in that circumstance. It's only after he has been on his knees, it's only after he has submitted in prayer that he knows what God wants to do in that circumstance and he offers the final principle here. First is the power of privacy. Second is the power of submitted prayer. But then finally, we see the power of proclamation. After Peter is done talking to God, then the Bible says he turns to the body and says to Tabitha, Tabitha, get up. After he talked to the Lord in prayer, he spoke into that dead body. He spoke into that dead situation. He spoke into what was dead but, but wasn't finished. And he made... You, did you catch that? It was dead, but it wasn't finished. He, he, he spoke and said, get up. Tabitha, get up. And the Bible says she opened her eyes and she saw Peter 
and she sat up. Let me, let me close. Let me. I don't know what your situation is. I don't know what your circumstances are. I don't, I don't know how long that thing has been dead. I, I don't know what killed it. But may I just offer to you that the same power that worked in Peter is at work in you. The same power of the Holy Ghost is at work in your life. And because he lives in you, there's some power in your mouth. The power of proclamation. Yes, there's some power in privacy. Yes, there's some power in prayer. But I want to tell you, there's some power in your proclamation. The Bible says, life and death are in the power of the tongue. Mark 11:23 says, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass he shall have whatever he says my brothers and my sisters you've got to learn how to say what you know until you see what you say I know I'm in the word. David, when he faced that giant Goliath, said, this day, the Lord is going to give you into my hands. This day, I'm going to knock you down. This day, I'm going to cut your head off. This day, I'm going to feed you to the birds and to the wild animals. And that's exactly what happened. I've come to tell you, when you're facing defeat, you've got to learn how to speak victory. When you're facing death, you've got to learn how to speak life. When you're facing sickness, you've got to learn how to speak healing. When you're facing brokenness, you've got to learn how to speak wholeness. When you're facing too late, you've got to learn how to speak not yet because he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or think. He's able to bring light in darkness. He's able to get rid of addiction. He's able to heal coronavirus. He's able to end a deadly pandemic. He's able to bring life out of death. He's able to replace depression with joy. He's able to heal anxiety and worry. God can restore dead marriages. God can bring life back to dead relationships. God can revive dead hopes. God can resuscitate dead dreams. He's able. Hallelujah. I don't know what dead situation you're facing. 
but you've got some power right in your dead situation. Listen to me. I'm going to quit. I'm going to quit. I'm, I'm not done, but I am going to quit. Listen. I don't know what your Tabitha is today. I don't know what, what kind of Tabitha you're facing. I don't know what your dead situation is. I don't know what Tabitha looks like to you. But I dare you, I dare you, I dare you, I dare you, I dare you to put those extra people out of your space. I dare you to get on your knees and humbly submit in prayer. And then I dare you to say, Tabitha, Get up. Get up. Get up. I dare you to speak into your dead situation. I, can, I, can I tell you something? Can I tell you something? God never promised to keep us out of dead situations. I'm sorry. I know that's, that's not what we're peddling as, as Christianity these days. But God didn't promise that your Tabitha wouldn't die. But he does promise that we have some power in dead situations. But you may have to use the power you got power of privacy. Maybe there's too many people in your ear. Maybe there's too many people in your face. I'm sorry. I love you, but bye. Because God is about to do something. Use the power you have, the power of submissive prayer, and then the power of proclamation. You've been, you've been saying what you see long enough. Don't say what you see. Say what you know. God doesn't need you to repeat what you see. He sees it too. You say what he has already said. I'm above and not beneath. I'm the head and not the tail. Everything about me is blessed. I'm blessed when I go in, blessed when I come out. My enemy may come in one way, but flee a whole bunch of ways. You Listen, you don't need to say what you see. Say what you know until you see what you know. You hear me? God bless you. God has given us the power of the Holy Ghost. We have the right to use the power we have. Listen, if you have not received Jesus as your Savior, if you have not given your life to him, if you haven't said, yes, I want you to be Lord of my life, I have good news for you. God loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world but so that the world through him might be saved. That is good news and here's how you do it. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. The Bible says you shall be saved. That's good news. Yeah, you were born once, but you were born in sin. You need to be born again. You need to be born of the Holy Ghost. If you're ready to make Jesus Lord of your life today, if you're ready to give your life to him, if you're ready to make that confession today, would you say it with me? Jesus is Lord. And the Bible says if you believe in your heart that even though he really died, 
God really got him up from the grave, you shall be saved. If that's you today, would you just type something in the comments, send us a note, uh, send us an email, uh, direct message us, and let us know that you are making that decision for Jesus Christ today. Listen, I promise that is the best decision that you will ever make. Let us know and we'll get in touch with you so we can walk you through this process and help you get started on this new walk. Help you to learn how to use that Holy Ghost power that's available to everybody who calls on his name. Our God is an awesome God who has done great things for us, particularly through his son, Jesus Christ. It is the first Sunday in December, and we are going to take this opportunity to remember what Jesus has done. Everything that we have in him is because of what Jesus has done for us, what he did for us at Calvary. He went to Calvary in our place. Our sin deserved death, but he died, so we'll never have to see death. Glory be to God. What a wonderful Savior we serve. I pray that you have your elements ready. If not, get them ready quickly. We'll give you a second to get your elements, your bread, and your wine, your juice, so that we can commemorate what Jesus has done for us. We don't have the kind of power we have because we've been so good. We're not where we are because of what we've done. As a matter of fact, our works deserve nothing but death. All we did was say yes to Jesus Christ. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, he gave it, he gave thanks for it, he blessed it and gave it to his disciples and said, this bread is my body given for you. Now take and eat all of it. Likewise, in the same manner, after supper, he took a cup, he gave thanks, and gave it to his disciples and said, this is the new covenant in my blood, shed for the remission, for the payment of sins. Now take and drink all of it. It reaches to the highest mountain it flows to the lowest lowest valley oh yes the blood that gives me strength Oh, from day From day to day It will never 
will lose its power. Hallelujah. Come on, sing with me, would you? Oh, it reaches to the highest mountain. I'm so glad it flows to the lowest, to the lowest valley. Oh, yes, nothing but the blood that gives me strength, hallelujah, from day, from day to day, it will never lose, it'll never lose. It's power. Hallelujah. Thank God for what, for what he has done for us through Jesus Christ. Listen, if you are giving your offering today, you tithe that 10% of our income that we set aside for the storehouse. Listen, we are on our way even virtually to becoming a 100% tithing church. He said, bring all the tithe into the storehouse. If you are giving today, whether it's tithe or for benevolence to help those who find themselves in financial emergency during these troubled times, or even for the building fund, as we continue to work towards the Bobby J. Winston Community Center, there are several ways you can do it. Number one, you can give by Givelify, that app on your phone. If you have that app, you just tap Give and you're done. The second way of giving is through text to give. Text to give, that number is 937-543-5169. 543-5169. Or you can give on Cash App. That Cash App handle is dollar sign M-T-C-A-L-M-B-C. Any of those ways you can give electronically. Or if you prefer to put it in somebody's hand, Deacon Sandifer and his team, they are out in the parking lot right now and will be there for the next hour or so. And you can drive through. You don't even have to get out of your car and put it in the Deacon's glove-covered hands. They are there and ready to serve you. God bless you. I do have some, uh, some news that I wish, frankly, from, from a human side, I wish that I didn't have to share it today. Uh, but I tell you, it is a story of victory, and that is that our own beloved Brother Curtis Dunson uh, has gone home to be with the Lord. Uh, he passed a couple of days ago. Brother Dunson, many of you will remember, used to be over our sound ministry for many years on 3rd Street. Uh, Miss Veronica and Brian uh, and Miss Shirley's father and certainly we want to keep that family in our prayers as we celebrate his life. Arrangements have not been made yet but if you would keep your ear to the ground for those uh, home going arrangements and please keep that family in your prayers. Would you do that? I can't promise you that you won't have any dead situations to face. But I can promise you this. If you're saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, 
you have some power even in those dead situations. May God give you the strength to use the power that you have, the power of privacy, getting rid of some of those extra voices, some of those extra eyes and ears that don't need to be in the space at this time. They just need to see the end result. The power of submitted prayer. Not my will, but yours be done. And then the power of proclamation. Saying what you know rather than what you see. God bless you. It's been wonderful to be together again. Excuse me. Now, who, now unto him who is able to present us faultless, to keep us from falling and to present us faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and forever. Let, us, let all the saints agree together. Amen. God bless you. God bless you.